recorded history. Okay, here we go. So we're gonna go right to. We've got to open it up first, don't we? Let's get let's get the Bible open here. <clears throat> I think it's great. Genesis. I was listening to some guys, some ministers actually, and they were geologists and whatever too. And, and it was so funny. They said, "Unless you treat the Book of Genesis like it's history, you're gonna really mess up." And I thought, "Yeah, that's right." It's just I just knew that. You know, I, I mean, it's the, it's the thing. I just keep mentioning it over and over again. Even for myself, it'll mess you up if you if you try not to tie Genesis to everything. You may as well just strike Jesus out because he uh, he uh, quotes from it everywhere. He talks about Abraham, talks about Noah. Apparently, that guy existed. Okay, anyway, so we we left off right here at Samuel. Now Samuel had just helped them uh, conquer the Philistines. The Philistines were coming and they were scared. Remember, this is they they've already been the. the they left Egypt, got the promised land, remember, made about, about face, had to go back for 40 years, wander around. Then Moses brings them back again. He says, y'all are going in, but I'm not. So Joshua takes them in, and that 10-year campaign, they wiped out the whole promised land. It was theirs. It was theirs. But then they lost it all. First of Judges. They lost it all. So all the book of Judges, when you see Gideon and you see Samson and Jephthah and some other great guys that helped them out, it's because they lost their nation, but God helped them out. Okay, right at the tail end of that, right after Ruth, you run into Samuel here, and you get Samuel from when he was a wee little boy, and all the way up now here, Samuel's about to pass away. He's an old fella right now, and he, the people were saying, we want a king. Okay, he says, okay, I gave you a king. Now remember, they just wiped out the Philistines. They were, thought they were going to get wiped out, but they all came to Samson, I mean, excuse me, to Samuel and said, help us, help us, help us, and they did. Remember, Samuel here, he recounts history. He says the Israelites were in Egypt, cried to the Lord. He sent Moses and Aaron to bring them into this land. Now, remember, this is like, let's see, let me help. Let's see, it's three, 300 years in, uh, in Judges from the Promised Land when they got there. So it's 300. So that's basically 300 years after that event happened. Okay. Details, details, details. Wow. Okay. But let's keep going. So anyway, he says, now, just to let you guys know that you really made some mistakes. And he says, now, watch as the Lord does great miracles. He said, it's going to rain and thunder today. And I mean, boy, it came down really bad. Okay. But he said, look, you need to make sure you worship the Lord. And remember, their problem was not sassing their mama or treating somebody ugly. No, they treated God ugly. They said, we don't want you anymore. We can do it ourselves. You know, That's the reason these little things I keep mentioning. If you'll invite the Lord in your little things, like, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Let him help you. Let him help you. You say, but Richard, it's just, it's a hobby. And let him help you. Let him help you, because while you're doing that, he's going to tell you, I need you to help me on something. And you'll say, yeah, absolutely, Lord. He doesn't mind helping you. There's trillions of angels. You've got some that are dispatched for you. And they're just going, man, ugh, this guy, he never prays about anything. Oh, God, please pray. So here, here next verse. Here we are. We're at Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 13. By this time, Saul had reigned one year. Who was Saul? He was the first king. Okay. We're going to see here, he's going to go downhill, which is going to open the door for David because God can't take it. You either, the king is supposed to listen to the Lord or not, and Saul won't. You know, the, uh, well, anyway, we'll get to it later. By this time, Saul had reigned for one year. In the second year of his reign, he selected 3,000 special troops and took 2,000 of them to, we'll say, Atlanta and whatever, and Mount Peor, Mount Bethel, while the other 1,000 remained with Jonathan. Now, remember who Jonathan is? He's going to wind up being best friend to David, you know. This is so good. I just need to keep reading. Watch this. Saul's son in Gibeah in the land of Benjamin. Okay. The rest of the army was sent home. 
Then Jonathan attacked and destroyed the garrison of the Philistines at Geba. Now remember that. It wasn't like, God got lucky. No, Jonathan knew. He knew. The news spread quickly throughout the land of the Philistines, and Saul sounded the call for arms, I'm sure it was, for the army. Hey, let's go get them throughout Israel. He announced that he had destroyed the Philistine garrison. You know, we have an army garrison outside. If, I mean, in, in Huntsville, that's Redstone Arsenal. That's what they mean. And warned his men that the army of Israel stank to the high heavens as far as the Philistines were concerned. You know, it's like Auburn, Alabama. Auburn folks, we hate them. You know, it's, it's, that's all it was. You know what I'm saying? Alabama. It's, these were other nations. You know, we, well, you guys stink. Okay. The Philistines recruited as a mighty army of 3,000. Look at that. 3,000 chariots, 6,000 horsemen, and so many soldiers they were as thick as sand along the seaside. Seaside. Okay. When the men of Israel, look what happened here. The men of Israel saw the vast mass of enemy troops. They lost their nerve entirely and tried to hide in caves. Oh, my gosh. Now, remember, this is history. This is not a little spiritual story. History. Some of them crossed the Jordan River and escaped in the land of Gad and Gilead. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal, and those who were with him trembled for fear of what awaited them. Now, here's something important. Samuel told him. Now, remember, Samuel's representing the Lord here, okay? Samuel had told Saul earlier to wait seven days for his arrival. Saul's not going to do it, so that's going to get him in trouble. But when he still didn't come and Saul's troops were rapidly slipping away, he decided to sacrifice the burnt offering and the peace offering. He got a lamb and whatever and was going to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Just as he finished, uh-oh, Samuel got there. Saul went out to meet him to receive his blessing. But Samuel said, what is this you've done? What have, what have you done? When Saul replied, now remember, see, he's motivated by, ah, but the big armies, I'm losing everybody. God's able to save by many or few, and he lost his nerve. He got scared. Well, Saul replied, when I saw that my men were scattering from me, and you hadn't arrived by the time you said you would, and that the Philistines at Mishmash were ready for battle, in other words, God, you ain't showed up yet, and I'm fixing to get the tar beat out of me, so I had to, you know, do something. I said the Philistines were ready to march against us, and I haven't even asked for the Lord's help. So I reluctantly offered the burnt off, burn offerings, you know, without waiting on you. Okay. Look at this. You fool, Samuel said. Well, you don't call people a fool. Yeah. The Bible says you're a fool if we don't believe. The fool says there is no God. Anyway. You disobeyed the commandment of the Lord. He was, look at this. He was planning to make you and your descendants kings of Israel forever. But now your dynasty must end. The Lord wants a man who will obey him. David. And he, look at that, and he has discovered the man. Now remember, David's got to be, he's probably not even nine years old. He, he's going to show up. He shows up in 15. Because Samuel goes to anoint him. And he don't even, he, he anoints all his brothers thinking, this is him, this is him, this is him. And, and he says, you got any more kids? Because the Lord says, none of the, yeah, I got one out back. He's feeding the sheep. Bring him out here. That was the one. Anyway. Okay. He wants a man that will obey him, and he's discovered the man he wants, and has already appointed him as king over his people, for you have not obeyed the Lord's commandment. Now remember, this is where the hatred's going to come in for Saul. Saul, Saul just heard from God going, <gasps> I've blown it. And Saul's going to blow it again. Okay. Samuel then left Gilgal and went to Gibeon in the land of Benjamin. When Saul counted the soldiers who were still with him, he found only just a few. I mean, Saul's in a mess. Look at this. Basically, the Lord left him right here. He only had 600 left. 
But now remember, this is history, so watch how good this is. Saul and Jonathan and these 600 men set up their camp in Geba at the land of Benjamin. But the Philistines stayed at Mishmas, okay, Huntsville and, Bar- uh, Huntsville and Decatur, whatever. Three companies of raiders soon left the camp of the Philistines and went on toward Ophrah in the land of Shuel. Another went to Bethlehem and a third moved to the border. So there's a lot of army play right here. But watch, this is important. There were, look at this. There were no blacksmiths in all the land of Israel in those days. What was going on? I told you they lost their kingdom. For the Philistines wouldn't allow them for fear of making swords and spears for the Hebrews. Like thinking Nancy Pelosi is going to change all the laws. We're going to lose our guns and whatever. It ain't going to happen. But that's, now you relate to that. Look at this. So, And if this is not history, this is such stupid words. So whenever the Israelites needed to sharpen their plowshares, this axe sickles, they had to take them to the Philistine blacksmith. Well, we can relate to this. The schedule of charges was as followed. Look at this. Here's their prices. Sharpening a plow, 60 cents. Sharpening a disc, 60 cents. Sharpening an axe, 30 cents. They had a list. Again, what good does this do you? (gasps) Perhaps it was true. It was. Look at that. There was not, look at this. There was not a single sword or spear in the entire army of Israel that day. Now they're going to get some next week. Watch what happens. Except for Saul and Jonathan's. The mountain pass at Mishmael had meanwhile been secured by the contingent of the Philistine army. In other words, you ain't getting in here. We got you stopped, Israelites. But now remember, we are the army of the living God. Boy, David knew it. He went out there with a slingshot. He said, I'll take care of these guys. A day or so later. But we'll read it when? Next year. No, we don't do that. Prince Jonathan said to his young bodyguard, now this, if this guy did not know Jesus, you know, he wouldn't have done this. So watch what he does. He tells his bodyguard, Now, he was a young man, but he knew how to fight. Hey, come on. Let's cross over the valley to the garrison of the Philistines. You going to break in Redstone Arsenal? You're going to get your tail whipped. Now, Jonathan says, no, watch this. But he didn't tell his father he was leading. Saul and his 600 men were camped at the edge of uh, Gibeah around the pomegranate tree at Milgron. Among his men was Ahijah, the priest, the son of Ahita, Ichabod's brother. See, beginning of this book. Eli's grandson, that was the one, his mother died when he was born. Okay, Ahitub was the son of Phinehas, the grandson, there it is, the, the grandson of Eli, the priest of the Lord at Shiloh. Isn't that something? Yeah, they were high priests, but they were basically wicked people. Okay, no one realized Jonathan had gone. To reach the Philistine garrison, watch this, they're going to sneak up on him. Jonathan had to go over a narrow pass between two rocky crags, which had been named Bozes and Senna. Okay, they knew the names of these mountains. Montesano and Green Mountain. The crag was on the north in front of Mishmash, and the southern was on the front of Geba. Let's go across to these heathen, Jonathan said to his bodyguard. Look at this. Perhaps the Lord. Well, I'm in the army. I, we, we don't. We, we let the chaplain take care of it. No wonder you're losing. No wonder you're having trouble. Here's the head dog. Remember, his dad's king. He says, hey, the Lord, the Lord. Perhaps the Lord will do a miracle for us? Yeah. For it makes no difference to him how many enemy troops are there. Praise God. It doesn't matter how big your problem is. It makes, watch what happens. Fine, the youth said. Notice the the, the youth didn't go, oh my God, you don't believe in this Jesus stuff. You're not a Christian, are you? Oh my God. No, look, he says, do what you think's best. I'm with you and your soul, whatever you decide. All right. Now remember, I want to interject this. David's soon going to be so close to, Saul, to, to Jonathan, they're going to be buddies, you know. And you got to know why, because David, man, I mean, boy, he is a warrior and a half, man. Anyway, 
All's well, then let's do this. This is what we'll do. When they see us, if they say, hey, stay where you are, or we'll kill you, then we'll stop and wait for them. But if they say, hey, come on up and fight, then we will do just that, for it will be God's signal that he will help us defeat them. No citizens say, well, if we get our tail whipped, I guess the Lord... No, they had a deal laid on the table. Now, when the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Israelis are crawling out of their holes. They didn't know there was just two of them. And they shouted down to them. They shouted down to Jonathan, come on up here and we'll show you how to fight. Come on up, climb right behind me, Jonathan exclaimed to his bodyguard. For the Lord, whoops, for the Lord, well, here we go, for the Lord will help us defeat him. Notice he didn't say, well, I hope, I'll just pray, I'll just pray. Man, they were fired up. So they clambered up on their hands and knees and the Philistines fell back as Jonathan and the, look at that, the what? The lad. I'm reminded of watching a British movie. It was something new. It was actually, it was just, it was thought to be British because it was the British Navy. And they actually had little kids in there that worked with the admirals and stuff. And they, they weren't butlers or nothing. They were like attendees and they ate with them. And they were learning to be in the military at such a young age. Golly. Anyway, boy, the lad killed them left and right. About 20 in all. Look at that. Look at the odds. Two against 20. Then it wasn't all. Uh, and their bodies were scattered all over about a half an acre of land. Suddenly panic broke out through the entire Philistine army and even among the raiders. And just then there was a great earthquake increasing the terror. Now who's on your side? Jesus is. Look at this. Man, we're clicking right along. Saul's lookouts in Gibeon, remember Saul wasn't there. He saw a strange sight. The vast army of the Philistines began to melt away in all directions. Hey, find out who isn't here. Now remember Saul only had 600 people. Saul ordered, and when they had checked, they found Jonathan and his bodyguard were gone. Look at this. Bring the ark of God. Now remember, remember Saul. The Lord's ticked off with him. Now don't think he's going to get ticked off with you, okay? But anyway, watch this. While Saul was talking to the priest, the shouting of the tumult of the, of the, in the camp of the Philistines grew louder and louder. Quick, what does God say? Saul demanded. I mean, the Lord was like, I've had it with you. You don't, you, you, you don't recognize me? You don't pay any attention to me? Then Saul and his 600 men, they rushed out in the battle and they found the Philistines killing each other. There was terrible confusion. Notice they didn't do it. The Lord already did it. And now the Hebrews, who had been drafted into the Philistine army, whoa, whoa, ho, 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 hold on, hold on. Yeah, some of these guys were on Saul's side, but they had been captured. They were slaves and they were just fighting for that side of the army, but now they switched. They revolted and joined the Israelis. Finally, even the men hiding in the hills joined the chase when they saw the Philistines were running. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle continued beyond beth Aven. Saul declared, and look at this, a curse on anyone who eats anything before evening, before I have full revenge on my enemies. So no one ate anything, even though, whatever, even though, what did it say? Yeah, even though they found honeycomb on the ground. Saul just barking stuff he shouldn't have said. They all feared Saul's curse. Jonathan, however, he didn't hear his father's command. So what's he going to do? He's going to take a bite. So he dipped a stick in honeycomb, and when he had eaten the honey, he felt much better. Then someone told him that, his, hey, your dad put a curse on anybody who ate food that day. For everyone was weary and faint as a result. That's ridiculous, Jonathan said. A command like that only hurts us. See how much better I feel? He was saying, what? what? My dad said, what? See how much better I feel. Okay. If the people had been allowed to eat uh, food freely they would have found, uh, that they found among their enemies, think how much more we would have slaughtered. 
But hungry as they were, they chased and killed the Philistines that day, all the way from this town to this time, growing more and more faint. That evening, they flew upon the battle loot uh, and butchered the sheep, oxen, calves, and ate the raw bloody meat. Ooh, they wouldn't show up to do that, but anyway, nonetheless, they're hungry. Someone reported to Saul what happened, that the people were sinning against the Lord by eating blood. Well, that's very wrong, Saul said. Well, <laughs> Saul, you're a little late. Anyway, roll a great stone over here and go out among the troops and tell them to bring the ox and the sheep over here to kill them and drain them and not to sin against the Lord by eating meat. So that's what they did. Saul built an altar to the Lord. Okay. But uh, his first. Okay, here we go. Afterwards, Saul said, let's chase the Philistines all night and destroy every last one of them. Fine, his, his men said. You do what's best. But the priest said, let's ask God first. So Saul asked the Lord, shall we go out to the Philistines? Will you help us defeat them? But the Lord made no reply all night. Yeah, well, that's, that's Saul's problem. Okay. Then Saul said to the leaders, hey, something's wrong. We got to find out what sin was committed. Now, he's just spinning around thinking, well, I'm going to find out. Anyway, I vow by the name of God who saved Israel that though the sinner be my own son, Jonathan, he'll die. Well, he ain't going to die. We already know that. But no one would tell him what the trouble was. And Saul said, okay, Jonathan and I are going to stand over here, and we're going to roll some dice, okay? And they all agreed. And Saul said, oh, Lord God of Israel, why haven't you answered my question, you know? Well, it wasn't the Lord's fault. Watch this, though. And Jonathan, are Jonathan and I guilty, or is the sin among the others? Oh, Lord, show us who is guilty. And Jonathan and Saul were chosen by cho a sacred lot, and the people were declared innocent. And Saul said, now draw lots between me and Jonathan. Well, they did it again, you know. Yeah, Tell me what you've done. And Jonathan said, well, okay, I tasted a little honey. It was only a little bit on the end of a stick, but now I must die. So Jonathan thinks, okay, I guess i got to bite the dust here. Yeah, Jonathan, his dad said, you got to die. May God strike me dead if you're not executed for this. God. Boy, the troops retorted, Jonathan, who saved Israel today, shall die far from it. Boy, I tell you, they was rebellion in the camp. Mutiny, what is it? Mutiny on the bounty. They go, nuh-uh. And look what they said. We vow by the life of God, not a hair on his head will be touched. For he was used by God to do a mighty deed. So what happened? Saul being a bozo. His, his son was right. If you'd let the people eat, they could have really slaughtered these people. So the people rescued Jonathan. Now, let's back up a second. Do you think that was a praise report for Jonathan? You better believe it because he thought, well, win some, lose some. I'm going to lose this. Anyway, then Saul called back the army and the Philistines returned home. And now since he had secure, and now since he was securely in the saddle as king of Israel, Saul sent the Israeli army out in every direction against this place, Atlanta, whatever, Mississippi, and all those kind of places. The king, all right, whenever he returned, he was successful. Wow, he was knocking them out. He did great deeds and conquered the Amalekites and saved Israel from all those who had been conquered. Saul had three sons, Jonathan, Ishva, Mashushua, whatever, and two daughters, Merib and Michelle, uh, Michelle, whatever. Saul's wife was uh, Ahinoam, the daughter of this, this. Anyway, and the general in chief of his army was his cousin Abner. So we hear about Abner later when David becomes king. Uh, his uncle Nair's son. Abner's father, Nair, and Saul's father, Kish, were brothers. Wow, okay. Both were sons of Abiel. The Israelis fought constantly with the Philistines throughout Saul's lifetime, and whenever Saul saw any brave, strong young man, he conscripted him into his army, like David. Okay. All right, we're just going to finish right here for today. Look at this. One day, Samuel said to Saul, I crowned you king of Israel because God told me to. Now look, he's, no, he's giving him another chance. He said, I'll give you another chance. Here's your command. I've decided, now watch the history that's in the history. 
I have decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek. Now remember, when, the, when Moses got away from Pharaoh, Pharaoh was completely destroyed. They were on the way to Mount Sinai, and the Amalekites came out and attacked them. And remember, Moses was trying to hold his arm up, and as long as he had his arms up, they were beating the poop out of the Amalekites. Okay? And when his arms got tired, and so it was Joshua and another guy who were helping him hold his arms up, and they wiped him out. I've decided to settle accounts with the nation of Amalek for refusing to allow my people to cross their territory when Israel came from Egypt. God keeps records. Mm -hmm. So now, so go now and completely destroy the entire Amalek nation. Now look at this. Men, women, babies, little children, oxen, donkeys. Boy, God said just wipe them all out. I cannot read the Bible. God is hateful. I cannot. Now wait a minute. Go back and go look at what the Amalekites were doing. They're, worship they're throwing their kids to the fire. And they, were trying they wanted total assassination of all the Israelites. Now that was the command. Wipe them out. You know what Saul's going to do. He ain't going to do it all. He's going to say, well... So Saul immobilized his army at Telaim. Now this is what sets up David. He had mercy here, but he blew it again. There were 200,000 troops in addition to 10,000 men of Jerusalem. Boy, that's a whole lot more than 800, isn't it? Man, their numbers were skyrocketed. The Amalekites were camped in the valley below. Saul sent a message to the Kenites telling them to get out from among the Amalekites or else they'll die with them. Now the Kenites were descendants of Moses. Richard, how do you know all this stuff? I went to school. I, no, I didn't. I, when I saw Kenites, I knew they were descendants of Moses because you, you see that in the other books ahead. Anyway, telling them to get out or else they'll die. For you were kind to the people of Israel when they came out of the land of Egypt. See, look at that. You were kind to us. Here's some water. Here's some food. You spend the night with us. I'll bless those that bless you. I'll curse those that curse you. Man, this stuff works, doesn't it? Yeah. Look at that. They had a heads up. Y'all get out of here because we're going to wipe everybody out. So the Kenites packed up and left. Boy, Saul butchered the Amalekites. Well, somewhat. All the way from Havilah, all the way to Shur, the east of Egypt, he captured Agag, the king. Now, why did he capture him for? The king of the Amalekites, but killed everyone else. However, Saul and his men, look at this, kept the best of the sheep and the fattest of the lambs. Everything, in fact, that appealed to them. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, but Richard, I only have a chance. God, I know God blessed me with some extra money here, but he's crazy if I think I'm going to give some of this to somebody else. I'm not going to have any money. How'd you get the money in the first place? Well, I know God got it to me, but he may never give me any more. <laughs> yes, he will. <laughs> oh, man. There was a king in Israel that funded some mercenaries about, we'll say, 500 years after this. It was king, we'll just name one of them. It was one of the Israeli kings, whatever. And the prophet said, why did you hire those mercenaries? He said, but I've already spent a quarter of a million dollars on them. And he said this. The, the prophet said this. You can go look it up yourself. The prophet said, God's able to give you ten times that much. Don't worry about it. But he was worried about his money. Anyway, the Lord said to Samuel, oh, look at this. They destroyed only what, okay, let's see. They destroyed only what was worthless or poor quality. Remember, the Lord said, get it all gone. Then the Lord said to Samuel, remember, Saul hadn't heard this. Samuel did. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. I ever made Saul king, for he has again refused to obey me. Samuel was deeply moved and heard what God was saying, that he cried out to the Lord all night. Oh, man. Well, see, remember, Samuel didn't know anything about David. He's thinking, boy, we are in a mess. Early the next morning, 
He went out to find Saul. Oh boy, you're going to get it. Someone said, well, he's gone to Mount Carmel to erect a monument to himself. <laughs> to do what? Good grief. And then he'd gone to Gilgal. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. Hey, boss, how you doing? Good to see you. Hello there. Well, hey, I carried out the Lord's command. Then what's all that bleeding of sheep and lowing of oxen I heard? Saul demanded. Ooh, he was rough. Well, that's not very Christian-like. Where'd we get this Christian-like stuff? Jesus didn't run him out of the temple being Christian-like. Man, if I was in the way of that belt, it got me. <laughs> I would have learned, woo! Either Jesus is Lord or he's not. And somebody ran me out of the temple. And if I believe he was Lord, then I was probably doing something wrong. Okay. Is it true? It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, Saul tried to explain. But they were going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. Oh, brother, please. Oh, and we destroyed everything else. Samuel said to Saul, stop, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. Oh, no. What is it? Same thing old Eli got in trouble with, you know. And Samuel told him, when you didn't think much of yourself, God made you the king of Israel. Now, let's just see of ourselves as being the good guy. Let's say we didn't do what Saul did. We didn't. Look at that. Has the Lord done that to all of us? Who am I? Nathaniel did that in John chapter 1, underneath that fig tree. I don't know. I don't even think God even knows I exist. All of a sudden, his brother Philip finds him. We found the Lord. All of a sudden, Jesus shows up, looks at Nathaniel and says, remember what he says? I love telling this. He says, there's an Israelite in whom there's no guile. And Nathaniel goes, how do you know me? And Jesus said, I saw you under that fig tree this morning. <laughs> in other words, he knew you were thinking I'm insignificant. And remember what Nathaniel did. He fell down. He said, man, you're the son of God. And Jesus said, you believe just because I said that? You're going to see greater things than this. You're going to see heaven open and the angels coming down before the Son of Man. Anyway, so what did he say? You didn't think much of yourselves. God made you the king of Israel. He sent you on an errand and told you, go completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they're all dead. Then why didn't you obey the Lord? Why did you rush for the loot and do exactly what God said not to do? But I've obeyed the Lord. I did what he told me to. I brought the king of Agag, but killed everyone else. And it was only when, ah, now we get it, is when my troops demanded it that I let them keep the sheep. In other words, he was led by other people. Oh, brother. Yeah, right. Look what the Lord says, or Samuel. Well, the Lord says. Samuel replied, has the Lord as much pleasure in your burnt offerings and sacrifice as in your obedience? That's things Jesus said. Okay. He's much more interested in you listening to him than in your offering the fat of rams to him. For rebellion is as bad wherever her debt. This is it, as a sin of witchcraft. And stubbornness is bad as worse than idols. Wow. And now because you've rejected the word of Jehovah, he's rejected you for being king. I've sinned, Saul said. He said, man, I blew it. Yes, yeah, a little late. A little late. Okay. I've disobeyed your instruction and commanded the Lord, for I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. Oh, please pardon my sin now and go with me to worship the Lord. Boy, Samuel said, I'm not going to. Look at this. It's no use. You've rejected the commandment of the Lord. He's rejected you for being king. Samuel turned to go. Look, Saul grabbed him. Going to rip his clothes here. Tried to hold him back, but he tore his robe. Look what Samuel said. Remember, he's a prophet, so he's got this stuff in his blood. See, the Lord has torn the kingdom from Israel from you today and given it, look at this, to a countryman of yours who is better than you are. He God knows it's David. Samuel does it. Look at this. And he who is the glory of Israel is not lying. Wow. 
nor will he change his mind, for he's not a man. Boy, Saul pleaded with him. I look, I, I know I've blown it. Oh, at least honor me before the leaders of my people by going me to worship the Lord your God. So Saul had a little mercy here. And he said, I mean, Samuel did. And he went with him. Then Samuel, boy, look what this guy did. He's a priest. He's a holy man, a man of the cloth. I don't believe in weapons. Oh, Jesus did. The night before he went to the cross, he said, who's got a sword? Hey, we got two of them. He said, good, good. Samuel said, bring me King Agag. Samuel did this. He slept by the altar. This can't be Christian. No, wait a minute. Wow. Okay, it is Christian. Look at this. Agag, the king, dipstick here, full of smiles. Yeah, love, love, love. You know, almost like our country. You become a murderer in our nation, you get to become president or something. Stupid. Surely the worst is over and I've been spared. But Samuel says, as your sword, look at this, has killed the sons of many mothers. Whoa. Now your mother will be childless. And he put it to him. Notice Samuel didn't say, now I don't believe in doing this and I'm a preacher. And No, he killed him. Look at that. Samuel chopped him into pieces. Yeah. Roll Tide. Glad to see that. Praise God. That guy was, if he could do it again, he would raise up a group and kill all the Israelites. Got rid of it. Anyway, then Samuel went home to Ramah and Saul returned to Gibeah. Samuel never saw Saul again, but he mourned constantly for him. For the Lord was sorry he had ever made Saul the king of Israel. Uh, hang on. I mean, what are we doing here? Hang on a second. Uh, let's, let's finish right here. Because this is what happened. Okay, that happened. Finally, the Lord said to Samuel, you've mourned long enough. I've rejected him as king. Now take a vow of olive oil, go to Bethlehem and find a man named Jesse. Remember, this is Jesus' great, 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 great granddad. For I've selected one of his sons to be the new king. Samuel said, how can I do that? If Saul hears it, he'll kill me. So even Samuel's got some decisions to make. Look what the Lord says. Just take a heifer with you and say you've come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Then call Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you which one of his sons to anoint. So Samuel did, as the Lord said, when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the city were trembling. Remember, they go, what are you doing here? See, they, they, they were scared of Saul. What's wrong? They said, why have you come? Hey, it's okay. I've come to sacrifice. <laughs> really? Is that what he's going to do? Hey, purify yourselves and come with me to sacrifice. So he performed the purification rite on Jesse and his sons and invited them too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab. In other words, he's a good scrapping looking boy. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> you notice what he said. Oh, surely this is the man the Lord's chosen. <gasps> the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by man's face or height. That's not the one. I don't make decisions the way you do. Judge men by outward appearance. But I look at a man's thoughts and intentions. Now remember, we're getting to the reason why we have David. This is the only history about David we have because this is it. Jesse told his son Abinadab, okay, old Al or whatever, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. The Lord said, he ain't the right one. Jesse said, well, give the next one, Stephen or whatever, Shammah. But the Lord said, nope, that ain't the one. All seven came before Samuel and were rejected. Do you notice right here, you don't have to have people. We need a vote. We're going to vote. It ain't about a vote. It's Jesus. Here we go. The Lord uh, has not chosen any of them, Samuel told Jesse. Are these all there are? Well, there's the youngest. Now remember, 17 is the death of Goliath. It's the next chapter. But we're stopping here. Here's the youngest, but he's out in the field watching sheep. 
send for him at once. And we're not going to sit down and eat until he gets here. Jesse sent for him. He was a fine looking B-O-Y. Ruddy faced. You look that up, that means he's so young, his cheeks are still red. Okay. And with pleasant eyes. Kind of like Leah. No, she's got pleasant eyes, whatever. Nah, I'm sure, I'm sure David was handsome. The Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the olive oil, brought it and poured it on David's head. The spirit of Jehovah came on him and gave him great power from that day onward. Same stuff you and I have. Look at that, 14. But the spirit of the Lord left Saul instead. The Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's age suggested a cure. Now remember, this is history. We'll find a good harpist to play for you whenever the tormenting spirits bother you. They said, the harp music will quiet you down. Soon you'll be well. All right, find me a harpist. Well, you know the story from here. <laughs> David. One of them, he said, is a young... Now, wait a minute. You can't, do, you can't be good at a bunch of things. Well, David was. David could play a guitar. He could take care of sheep. He could beat the crap out of a giant. Man. Well, we got a guy from Bethlehem. Wherever heard Bethlehem at? It all plays together, doesn't it? Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Okay. The son of a man named Jesse, who was not, this is the end of this, okay. He's not only a talented harp player, but handsome, brave, strong, and has good, solid judgment. What's more, he added, the Lord is with him. So the Lord's with you and I today. Do we have all that stuff? Except you women, y'all are pretty, right? Uh, but us men, boy, we're good looking, man. All right. So Saul sent messengers to, to Jesse asking that he send his son David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending not only David, but a young goat and a donkey carrying a load of bread, loaf of bread, and so I mean a load of bread and wine. From that instant, uh, excuse me, let me get it right. From that instant, he saw David. Saul admired him. Look at that. Loved him. And David became his, whatever, let's see. This is it. David became his bodyguard. What, bodyguard? Yeah, just like that story with Jonathan. Then Saul wrote Jesse. This can't be history. It's too much details. Oh, that's because it is history. Please let David join my staff. I'm very fond of him. Whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play his harp and Saul would feel better and the evil spirit would go away. Next chapter, David and Goliath. Next chapter, Saul's playing with that sword and he's jealous over David. He <laughs> slings that sword and trying to kill him. But what happened? Missed him. And he always misses you too. Father, we just thank you for your word today. Boy, we see the history. Wow. Jesus, you're the son of David. How could that be? Well, praise God, we see the details. Lord, if we're facing any kind of trouble today, if we're feeling sick today, if we're hurting our bodies, no matter what, you'll fix that. Praise the Lord. You're able to say by many or a few, no matter what a doctor says or whatever. Same thing's true financially. Who cares about the financial trouble? You'll fix it. If it's some other problem, no matter how great, small, whatever it is, you'll fix it for us. And that doesn't leave anything left for us to tell others what great things you've done in our life as we tell people about Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. That's something. You buddy. 35, that's good.